This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 324 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Markus Schubert's bad, bad day at the office, Julian Brandt's magic backheels piss shoot 2021 and my wife will reveal the winner of our Marco Royce t-shirt giveaway at the end of the show. And for all that and more, join me once again, Matthias Zuck. Hello Matthias, how are you doing in the mountains of Colorado? Hey, Stefan, I am doing well dodging mountain lions and black bears today, so all is good. How are you doing? I'm very well myself, thank you very much. And also here, the editor-in-chief of Spielverlagerung.com, Konstantin Eckner. Are you in Berlin right now, or where, where are you quarantined? That's absolutely right. I'm not quarantined. I was in Frankfurt last weekend for the match, so... But, I, I, I'm but, allowed to go but outside. But the match was in Dortmund, Konstantin. <laughs> no, the Dara match. The evening match, you know. Right, right. So did you get a chance to watch the derby? Yes, I did. I had to. Live or real life? <laughs> no, I had to I had to watch it live because uh, it was squeezing between uh, the, the end of the derby and getting access to the Frankfurt Stadium, which was a journey in its own uh, own right. I had to uh, do some commentary on, on BBC World Service uh, to get out the idea that Dortmund is unbeatable, of course, this season and will win the championship. Which is not. obviously the absolutely correct take. Um, before yes, we, the, the be, only take. Yes, the, the only take, really. Um, before we uh, start the show, really, uh, I am elated to announce that this episode is sponsored by Kutzi 17 on Twitter. He sends his greetings from Austria. And if you want to sponsor an episode as well, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall for more information. Now... Let's talk about the winners of the 180th Gewehr Derby. That's uh, Borussia Dortmund, and it was their 800th Bundesliga win. Meanwhile, for Schalke, it was uh, goal 2500, 2501, 2502, and 2503. They have conceded. So, happy anniversary to both teams. Um, Matthias, uh, I have joked that this was not the Revier Derby, but the Reverb Derby because of all the echo and reverb in the empty stands. So uh, before we talk about the uh, game and emphatic 4-0 shellacking of Schalke 04, uh, maybe a couple of words on how you perceive this uh, eerie, quiet atmosphere or lack thereof. Well... You know, at first it's a little bit weird uh, when when you realize the teams that are playing. Uh, but I'll be honest. I mean, I got engrossed in the in the game and and watching it, and after a while, I kind of forgot about all of that. The, what's interesting though is also you, you tend to catch a lot of things that are being said, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I noted it during the game. I said this reminds me of. A long time ago when I was young uh, and played like Bezirksliga and Landesliga in Westfalen when you had maybe a hundred people come to a game on the good days 
and it sounded a lot like that. And the one thing, like my son was sitting next to me watching it, and he's like, wow, I thought there are no fans allowed. Why is it so loud? I said, well, that's what it actually sounds like. Those are the players and the coaches and the yelling, and, and that's something we, we tend to forget or not even quite realize if you're just watching it through television because the crowd noise drowns all of that out for the most part. Yeah, uh, Konstantin, was the key to victory the fact that uh, Mats Sommels could communicate with Torgen Hazard on the other wing, or Julian Brandt or whatever? <laughs> or, um, yeah, but no, honestly, how, how did you perceive it? on your, I don't know, iPad or however you were watching this? I mean, yeah, I, I, first, uh, we are talking about the review derby, but I got the first look uh, inside another stadium, and I mean, it was basically the same, although I think all uh, every stadium has its own kind of echoing, and uh, because of uh, the, the shape and the architecture is, of course, different, uh, stadium to stadium. Um, but and I, I thought, like, watching it on TV, I thought, for instance, the, the Leipzig stadium, was a little bit more equi. Yes, definitely. Uh, at least it appeared that way. But we also had to think about the miking in this uh, inside the stadium and stuff like that. Um, so it is not what it might feel like if you are there. Uh, I mean, in, in Frankfurt, for instance, you could basically hear it loud and clear. But um, I think in our stadiums, like the Olympia Stadion in Berlin, it gets a little bit different because it gets spread out wider. Um, I thought uh, they were very, at least on TV. Um, yes, of course, you could clearly hear that uh, players could uh, communicate um, much better than you would usually do, especially uh, during a real derby when there's really a lot of crowd noises. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know. I mean, if you listen closely also to other matches um sometimes i mean there wasn't really that wasn't really commands or instructions you could hear i was more like animal noises um <laughs> very you know very like um caveman like sometimes uh so uh i i don't know if, if it really improves the communication um i mean if you if you say or if you talk about like let's say Mats Hummels communicating with talking Hazard. Is it really that smart to uh, give an instruction to Hazard across the field where, like, of course the opponent can also hear what he's telling uh, his teammate. So, I mean, maybe you have to come up with some kind of secret language. Um, that would be something. I mean, uh, otherwise you might just give away all the all the things you want to do. Uh, yeah, what the, if uh, Mats Hummels starts to yell Omaha? <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, he should. He, yeah. Of course, but but with a distinct accent, of course. Yes, of course, a very distinct accent. Um, Matthias, yeah. a couple of things actually did change. Um, I don't have in front of me, but I was listening to the uh, Stahlkast from the Athletic earlier, and uh, they were talking about that the uh, net playing time rapidly increased um, with the lack of spectators. Do you have any uh, explanation or theory why this might be, why there are fewer interruptions? No. I mean, maybe, okay. I mean, no, I mean, it's, I guess it, it boils down to a question that both Lucien Favre and, and David Wagner were asked after the match. They said, you know, does the lack of crowd help more technically stronger teams than ones that rely so much on emotion? Um, and, you know, the results of the discussion, I forget who it was that said it uh, during the game or after the game, I don't remember, but it was saying, you know, referees should feel less psychological pressure, even though Dennis Isaacin said, 
not having a crowd doesn't help us at all. I don't believe that. I think that does all of that psychologically plays into it. And maybe they're just able to focus more. I mean, I don't know. I think that's more a coincidence, uh, a statistic taken in a vacuum uh, than anything else. I I just and honestly, of all the stats that are out there, that's probably one I really just don't care about. Yeah, fair fair enough. Uh, players who will have to run a little bit more within 90 minutes might actually care about it, but uh, that's not me. So I don't really care either. It was just interesting to bring up. I thought, um, Konstantin, before we talk about the um, antics of Dortmund's attacking players, um, I wanted to ask you about um, the the shapes and the positional play of either team because I saw a lot of uh, times when Mats Hummels or other defenders had a very vertical pass to the central midfielders or to the, uh, as Lucien Favre called them at the press conference, the false double 10 of uh, Branton Hazard. Um, do you think that was down to a good positional play by Dortmund or uh, horrendous spatial awareness by Schalke or both? The latter. To make it short. I mean, that's, yeah, it is because they, they try these uh, these half-space passes uh, or often half space passes um all the time and in that kind of formation it comes naturally uh, naturally to you uh thing is that um usually these these lanes are shut down by opponents um not by shark which uh which i mean like in a tremendous way manage to um sit somewhat deep but also uh, be wide open that's like was Kind of magic um, how they defended uh, Dortmund uh, and Dortmund's build-up. Um, so yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, of course, he, he, someone like Brandt uh, has to pick the right spot um, for his positioning. But that's. I mean, I I expect that from him. So um, not not much praise here um, because usually against a lot of teams they would just shut down these these uh, these gaps and would say nope, not here. Or they would like uh, let them open for for a moment and then uh, intercept Hummels or Piszczek, Um the pass from Hummels or Piszczek, which then Hummels or Piszczek would never do again or not do again for uh, the next 10, 15, 20 minutes. So um, yeah, but Schalke was tremendous in not defending but pretending <laughs> to be trying to defend. So. Yeah, I mean you're right. The only chi the only Schalke chance that I really can remember is uh, the header of Caligiuri, and that sort of started with the Hummels vertical pass, which was uh, intercepted by Weston McKinney, and then Manuel Kanji sort of uh, cleared the cross right into Caligiuri's Kali uh, feet or whatever, and uh, that's when uh, Roman Bürki had to make a save. Um, otherwise, I don't remember too many uh, clear cut scoring chances from Schalke. I think it was still scoreless at, at that point, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, other, otherwise, um, it, it was uh, really significant to see how easy Dortmund uh, had it to just carve Schalke open without... You know, it, it was just weird because there was A, not much pressure from Schalke, but also no compactness at the same time. So usually you want to achieve at least one of the two. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Konstantin. It, it really was weird. Um, And, you know, I, I thought the first goal that Dortmund scored was uh, quite a beauty in, in, in many ways. Um, 
you know, what was interesting about it is that Lukas Piszczek basically um, did the same as, as Hummels or Akanji or whatever, is that he sort of carried the ball to the inside uh, in in uh, reaction to the run that Julian Brandt was making and then had this diagonal ball and obviously uh, that backheel that Brandt then had in the path of Hazard was uh, one of the uh, prettiest uh, plays of the entire match day and then Torgen Hazard I think a lot of people will remember had a had a cross to Arling Haaland which was reminiscent of the uh, cross of Christoph Metzelder in 2007 to Alexander Frey so that was pretty cool Matthias The first half hour went by sort of almost uneventful, but then uh, Dortmund had this one really brilliant move. Um, were you ever nervous that uh, you know Schalke could do any damage against the black and yellows? No, I, honestly, Schalke didn't make me nervous. It's the least nervous I've ever been in a Riviera Derby, if I actually think about it. Um, I mean, the first few moments, maybe, because it's that slight anticipation, but... Um, No, I wasn't really worried that Schalke were going to make life difficult for Dortmund. Uh, I wasn't sure about rustiness, um, especially early. So my greater concern was Dortmund was going to make life difficult for Dortmund. Um, <laughs> and, and not because of some weird tropish storyline of, oh, they're so bad defensively and blah, 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 blah mentality. Not at all, but just rustiness. You haven't played for a while. I mean, think about how the first matches happen during summer training camp or the first few weeks in the Bundesliga. It's just not that sharp. And there was a little bit of that, a little bit of sloppiness, some errant passing, but it seems that Dortmund regained their composure much quicker, much quicker than Schalke. I don't think Schalke regained their composure for 90 minutes. Um, but Dortmund did get into it, and that was kind of one of those, you know, the important first goal because it gave Dortmund confidence and then they really started playing because they realized Schalke can't. Schalke, there's nothing there. They're not strong <laughs> defensively. Uh, they've got uh, abject goalkeeping who, yes, I know, I said I feel bad for the kid, but, you know, still. Um, and then at the same time, there are there's zero creativity in that Schalke side. There's no buildup. If Weston McKinney and Amin Harit are your hopes for creativity, you've got some massive, massive issues. Yeah, I honestly was a little bit surprised to see Mahmoud Dahoud start next to Thomas Delaney in uh, defensive midfield. Konstantin, how did you see that work out for Dortmund? How happy were you with uh, Mo Dahoud and Delaney, who obviously made his first game since the other Revere Derby, so it's it's been a while. What's your view on that double pivot and uh, sort of the uh, double ten uh, with Hazard and Brandt in, in front of that construct? I, I think in, in possession, Dortmund was like a 3-2-4-1 formation, at least according to Favre. Yeah, I was also a little bit surprised to see uh, Dahoud, quite frankly, um, just because I, I thought that uh, Favre, especially... Uh, doesn't have much trust in him anymore. Um, and given the circumstances and everything, I thought if I would go with someone like Brandt. Uh, so not that Brandt is necessarily the much superior player on every aspect, but in uh, a couple of aspects. Uh, but it just Brandt uh, is, looks just more ready um, in general. So it's it's more like uh, if you have Brandt in, uh, as a center midfielder, uh, usually I would say, all right, um, there's more... Um, reliability there. Um, so, I mean, not like Brandt hasn't had hasn't had some bad matches this season. I mean, a, a lot of good ones, but also somewhere he's just not not 
uh, visible and in center midfield that that's uh, probably not something you can really make up for um but i thought that Dahoud was all right um delaney was did quite well um so yeah i mean it, it worked out but they weren't really challenged uh <laughs> by Schalke that much because it is, especially the center midfield was just horrendous uh, i mean and and no matter in the first half where where, where um Schalke played with a back three and uh basically two center midfielders I mean McKenney and Sarah and and then in the, in the, in the second half with um uh, um you know in center midfield position and Kalijuri and Sarah in the middle for 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 a while and stuff like that so uh, they weren't really challenged even even situation where I would thought them uh, would think would be thinking that maybe they are outnumbered but it's just Schalke couldn't capitalize on anything like that um, and as for the two the secondary strikers, the two wingers, hybrid uh, players uh, behind Holland, yes, uh, I mean, we know what Hassar can do, and I think um, he showed what he's capable of, um, the good and the bad. Um, basically here, uh, Prandt has had a couple of underwhelming performances playing in a higher position, playing on the, on the left wing or playing as, as a number 10 uh, close to Holland or close to, to the center forward. So so that's why I think that match against Schalke was really not not a breakout moment or something because it was only Schalke and they, they played so badly. Uh, but at least gave me some hope that Brent could be valuable uh, playing higher up the field. But also if Sancho is ready, if Chiarena gets back on the, on the, on the field, um, then it's not like a necessity to have Brent playing high up the field he could move back into the center midfield position uh, of course Marco Royce being out for uh, how long uh, probably at the end of season um, so Prant should always be an option for that number 10 position um, basically that, that, that Marco Royce role um, but uh, I think he especially right now because he has shown that he can he can do better than in some of the matches earlier this year where he was not really a factor playing playing uh, close to Holland or play, uh, close uh, next to Hazar Sancho. Yeah, it was really nice to see how um, uh, quick Julian Brandt was thinking on the field and how his awareness for space and teammates uh, really helped him to make very rash decisions on the ball and uh, very quick passes. So, um, yeah, it, it, it looked uh, for him all very natural and made uh, you know playing football look very easy. And that is obviously one of the hardest things to do in this game. Um, Matthias, obviously, um, that was a very, very successful derby for Dortmund. Um, the uh, 4-0 win is, I think, the highest margin since 1966. So <laughs> that, that's a whole long time ago. Um, so I, I guess we can talk a little bit about, about the attack overall. I mean, uh, I think Julian Brandt was involved in uh, every goal, directly or indirectly. Uh, Rafael Guerrero was, Torg Hazard had a goal and assist, um, Arling Braut Haaland obviously on the scoring sheet um, and is now I think the third player uh, in double figures so that means Dortmund are the only league team right now with three uh, goal scorers in the double figures which is uh, an impressive feat, the other two are Jane Sancho with 14 and Marco Royce with 11. So. How much fun did you have uh, watching this uh, team uh, play football? 
Well, not only did it sound like a walk in the park, it uh, it it was a walk in the park. It was almost surprising, uh, to be honest. Uh, there were questions I saw afterwards. Were Dalton just that brilliant, or was Schalke so bad, or was it both? Well, obviously it's both. Schalke were abject, but Dalton were just that good. They put in the best performance, I believe, on the match day. Uh, best total performance, also if you include defensively. Yes, they were helped by the fact that Schalke really didn't wasn't able to do much. Um, but it was just a fantastic overall team performance. Everybody looked solid. There were no moments of oh, what's going to happen. Even even when who did play a little bit of a <laughs> weird ball early on in that Caligiuri free kick right at the beginning where you go, oh, crap, of course. Of course it's going to be this idiot who I still don't know why he plays in the Bundesliga because he's not really that good. Um, but, hey... It didn't happen, and and everything worked out swimmingly. It was just fantastic to watch them play together. And as much as I think having Marco Reus would make it even better and would be nice, uh, they don't seem to be missing him at this point. And uh, that, of course, is good for the team overall. And I would say it's also good for Marco Reus because it just eases a little bit of the pressure that he sometimes uh, puts on his own shoulders. But it was it was. A lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that all being said, um, Dortmund's expected goals was, weren't that high. I think like 1.67 or so, uh, which goes to show. I mean, they were also very efficient at taking their chances. Um, they scored with all four shots on target and uh, only had 11 in total. So it's it's not the, uh, the most shots Dortmund had uh, this campaign, obviously. So... Um, kudos to them for the efficiency. I, I think the uh, best goal uh, when it comes to technique was was the four nothing of Guerrero, where he, uh, you know, he just had to use his left foot because obviously the uh, right limb is just uh, you know dead piece of meat that that dangles down his body. I guess so. Uh, yeah, that uh, outside of the boot goal was uh, quite delicious. I have to say. Um, but Konstantin. Do you think that uh, Dortmund will ha- has has found a balance now o- overall, and I mean kept it going uh, throughout this uh, hiatus, which really can help them maybe challenge Bayern for the title? Because uh, if you look at this this game, um, you obviously see also Rafael Guerrero putting in a really good performance on on the wing, and I I think. Uh, that is something that really helps when you don't only have your, uh, you know, chance creation and whatnot go through the middle, but have someone on the wing uh, as a as a wing back that really can uh, score goals. I think uh, I, I just talked about the uh, players with uh, ten goals uh, to their name or more. Uh, Rafael Guerrero might be the next one to break through. He has, I think, seven goals right now. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about him and uh, how how his. Uh, you know, ability helps shape the balance of Dortmund. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> sh- sh- surely, I-, I don't know what the question really was, um, but <laughs> it was something with Guerrero, I guess. Uh, I mean, yes. Uh, well, the the initial question is, are Dortmund a well-balanced side right now? That's the question. I don't know. I I'm, I have to be honest. I don't know because Schalke was so bad. It's just like the same. I've, I've hard t- I have a hard time, like after, the ma- after that match, they have a hard time judging... Uh, Dortmund and judging Gladbach. Why? Because they they just I mean it was like beating at that horse for uh for the two of them. So 
put above them. This is what like what was really going on. Uh, I don't know. I would like I would like to um, wait for the next match, of course, against Wolfsburg. We will talk about it um, to see how could a match also look like. I mean, because Dortmund was just cruising through Schalke after the after the first thirty minutes or so, uh, after the first goal, basically. Uh, that that gives that gives me hope that you know they are more or less on top of their game as much as you can be on top of your game with under this under these circumstances, um, which is a good thing because I think there are other teams in the league um, who have really really struggled uh, to get uh, out of the starting block because uh, you know situation is not that easy uh, less training and all the stuff that's going on so. That might be really the case that Dortmund is much better at this point than other teams and can really benefit from the situation. Or maybe not. Or maybe Schalke will not win another match this uh, this season. Maybe. Because they were just so bad. Uh, I mean, I can see Paderborn beating them. If they if they, if they they play like that. But but going to Guerrero, I think that, ha- that has been the case for quite a while. If Guerrero is really on top of his game, if he's really at 100%, playing in the left wing-back position, not in a left-back position. Yes, he can be really valuable to uh, to the balance of the Stottmann team. Um, absolutely. And much more than Hakimi. Hakimi is someone who can really um, provide a few highlights, can also be a little bit of a liability. Guerrero does not have to be a liability, given his skills, but also his football IQ. Um, and can also contribute to uh, Dortmund's attacking attacking power. I mean, don't expect him to like score twice now moving forward every match. Of course not. I mean, he he is not even like one player who has to score for Dortmund to be winning. Um, but yes, uh, Guerrero at the top of the game is really available, and that's what that was like the 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 Guerrero situation uh, in the past few years was really that uh, I mean Dortmund was on the verge wor- of giving him away of letting him go um given his performances which would would have been justifiable but there is always the hope that uh, Guerrero would have this breakthrough moment and we would see again the Portugal uh, Euros winning Guerrero yeah, and the good news is now uh, Dortmund obviously have extended the contract with him a couple of months ago. Sure. So, Situation um, has changed. I mean, obviously, it, I was it, talking it, about last summer or something. Yes, yes. No, you're absolutely right. But uh, it's I, it's it's quite a signi- significant development for Dortmund, I would say. And uh, they are very lucky to have such a guy there. So, um, yeah. I mean, he wouldn't have assigned uh, Nico Schultz if like there was much trust in, in uh, Guerrero. Exactly. Last summer or so. Exactly. I mean, like that, the, the twenty million for Nico Schultz was just because, uh, like, basically, we don't really have a left wing back or even left back because Schmelzer is old and you know, uh, um, Farfer doesn't really trust him anymore. I mean, he probably sees him as like a locker room leader or something, but not really as. I mean, he he got three minutes against Schalke, um, so at least that was something. <laughs> the uh, human but, victory but, yeah, is a <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, would say. Uh, I look at him. I mean, he uh, basically the appearance. He looks like someone who's just uh, you know, light up a cigar on the field. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but but basically that was why they spent so much money uh, for Nico Schultz was because Guerrero not really an option. Akimi, yes, but he's only on loan and um, he's also he might be 
uh, or Shafarfa has to use him on the right side as well. And so, yeah, we need we need another uh, left wing back. And now no no one talks about Nico Schultz. Of course, Avarici is also, uh, and Guerrero is the, is the man on the left side. So, yeah, that's how things change uh, so quickly, I guess. Yeah, I'm. I'm obviously well, not obviously, but uh, usually I don't like to highlight individual performances in in uh, games like that because a th you would have to highlight almost every performance because I think overall Dortmund played very well um, compared to Schalke, obviously. Um, but Matthias, maybe words on Torgen Hazard who uh, showed that next man up mentality quite well. Well, yeah, I mean it was I think fortunate that uh, well it's. Not fortunate that Giorena got injured, but you know what I mean. It was fortunate for Azan. and I think probably fortunate for Dortmund uh, because he had an absolutely fantastic match, uh, one of his best ones so far since uh, playing for Dortmund, and showed. I mean, you know, Brand was involved in all the goals. Azad was involved in most of them, um, and he just he shows also his. Uh, flexibility and his intelligence once again uh, and and uh, another reason why Dortmund brought him in unlike obviously Nico Schulz I mean the the concern is the current concern that I have is that Favre is so enamored in very raw Gio Reyna who's a good player uh, but does still make very boneheaded mistakes that Togan Azad does not make that he's maybe too enamored with the kid and so Azad who is at this point in his career still significantly better than Gio Reyna gets left out and you miss performances like this but obviously that didn't happen and he was able to play yeah considering Torgen Hazard's uh, work rate and uh, I think he can really put on a very dogged display um Constantine, can you see that Favre molds him into a right wing back at some point? Uh, because I foresee that Hakimi will try to return to Real Madrid, and uh, could this be an in-house solution? Um, no, not really. Um, I think, especially now you saw against, I mean, we just talked about it, that against Schalke he was uh, not even a winger. He was, you know, he played more centrally um, most of the time. Uh, all fluid in modern football, but um, still, I don't really think that's what um, what what Favre has in mind. Um, and also, given the rumors about um, Mounier, I guess they got your solution. Not yeah. not in house, more 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 Paris made. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, I could I could do with the Paris made croissant right now, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah. A little bit hard to come by right now in uh, the middle of Philadelphia, to be honest. Um, there are places here yeah, called Paris Baguette, but they don't make any good croissants or baguettes, to be honest. I don't think they are from Paris. No, they're not. Anyway, <laughs> before I digress even more and talk myself into trouble, um, I think it is time to talk about old man Lukas Piszczek extending his contract for another season and who else better to talk about him than old man Matthias Uck? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it was, <laughs> I think I watched uh, one football this morning and uh, they said, you know, since he's like 5,000 years old, I'm like, 5,000 years old? The guy's in his mid-30s. 
Good Lord. Um, <laughs> you guys aren't that far away from that either, by the way. So <laughs> shut up. Um, but as a fellow geriatric, um, I, <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's great to see. I mean, he's always talked about wanting to go back uh, to Poland, playing there again. He has his football academy in Dortmund, I believe. Um, but his ties are, of course, solidified in Dortmund. Um, I, I think it's great. It, it helps because um, he's he's versatile enough that occasionally they can throw him in at the right back position. He can obviously play at central defender. Um, if he stays healthy, uh, then, you know, I this is a low to no risk type contract extension. It was good to see. Uh, he's one of those guys that I would, I don't know if you can find a Dortmund fan that doesn't love Lukas Piszczek. I mean, uh, he's the one constant, the one that's been there since, uh, you know, the the early Klopp days. Uh, I'm not counting Matsumis because he left. So Piszczek is the one constant throughout that entire time frame. And so it's good to see that, uh, yeah, it's another year. And I wouldn't be surprised if long-term he has some kind of club internal role uh, with Borussia Dortmund also in terms of maybe outreach, scouting, player development uh, with an eye for Poland. Yeah, it was funny. I, I, You know, when I read the news, I needed to go on YouTube and uh, put in the uh, match highlights of Borussia Dortmund's, uh, I think it was a 4 nothing or 4-1 win. I can't even remember really. Uh, I think it was 4 nothing against Karabakh Akdam in the Europa League. Uh, I remember I was sitting in the stands on the... Um, Osttribüne in the Westfalenstadion and very high up and I was pretty much on the level of where Lukas Piszczek was playing and it was his first game and uh, uh, if you don't remember back in the day people weren't entirely sure what uh, to make of this transfer and what exactly Jurgen Klopp's plan was with you, uh, with Lukas Piszczek so um, that was really his first game in the uh, wake of uh, Patrick Wormoyela who I think picked up an injury or so um, anyway so yeah, that was the first time I got to see you and everyone else got to see Lukas Piszczek and uh, it looked very promising. And I think he got the assist for the 3-0 against uh, Karabakh Akdam with the uh, like a half field cross to Lukas Barrios. And uh, you know, obviously I also remember Shiji Kagawa scoring a brace in this game, but uh, even better is uh, <laughs> just uh, the absolutely pathetic goalkeeping there so uh yeah that was quite hilarious so if 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 you feel like it to to watch uh, lucas pischik's first actions in the black and yellow go to uh youtube and put in bvb versus karabakh akdam or something like that and you you know it, it should spit out the right game anyway um so Konstantin, do you have any uh words on uh, lucas pischik becoming more and more uh, Dortmund legend. No, it's great. Um, I think one of the more uh, or one of the unsung heroes, n- not completely unsung, but uh, I think you get the picture um, that he even in the glory days of of Jurgen Klopp Dortmund uh, wasn't like the, the the one you know vocal point of of uh, vocal point of of Dortmund. It was more like yeah, Piszczek, one of the Good workers in the team, him and and Schmelzer were taken for granted uh, at at some point. That was just that were that were the uh, they were the two fullbacks at Dortmund 
doing that job. Um, of course, highlights of his career. Um, I guess neutralizing Cristiano Ronaldo in a couple of matches and also um, his ongoing uh, battle with uh, Franck Ribéry over, I don't know, 10 years or so. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but it was like four years, of course. He, he against Ribéry at all these Dortmund-Bayern matches. Um, and did well most of the time. Sometimes he, of course, got fooled by Ribéry, as many defenders. Um, so, but also um, in in the couple and in these in these uh, Real Madrid encounters, uh, he was also doing pretty well for himself, given that he played against Ronaldo. Um, so yeah, that was career highlights, and now he's yeah he's getting into le- legend territory. Um, I mean, I can see that he might uh, slip down a notch or so in the packing order. Uh, I think that's that's possible. Um, next season, maybe the season after. Uh, also, I mean, if he wants to uh, keep ties with Poland, I mean, I think that Dortmund is much better option than, I don't know, going to the US or to Japan or something and, like, being tens of uh, thousands of miles away from, from home. Um, I think if, if he becomes much more of, a, of a, like, a veteran uh, type of player who doesn't play that much, um, then he can also do maybe stuff in Poland or what whatnot. I mean, there I think there are options uh, to do it. Uh, or he, if he wants to uh, slide into, you know, uh, some some kind of assistant coaching role in, in, in the, at the youth academy or something like that, then I think there are options to, to do that uh, after a while. Um, I mean, you've seen it with other players uh, who are also legends. Um, yeah, Master Schmitz is basically kind of, a player's coach right now, so... Yes, yes, you get these kind of deals, basically. You, know, you, <laughs> you, you, still, have to, you still have to go to training and, like, uh, be ready to go, Uh but also you can do other things and, you know, outside things or maybe get a coaching license or what what else. I mean, that there. Are, I, th- I think you get a little bit of slack. Um, and also Piszczek, I mean, uh, I think also one of the more defining moments of his career was, um, well, not moments, but, but periods in his career was uh, in summer of, or like basically the, the, the fall, uh, the, the spring and summer of, of uh, 2013 um, when he was... I mean, was he was hurting really, really badly? Uh, his hip injury. I was really also showing. I mean, he has he had bags under his eyes. Um, it was it was it was really um, yeah, visible that that he has he had uh, issues there. Uh, but still played the Champions League final. Um, so I guess that's also one of the moments I will remember because like uh, Pischik was really fighting through the uh, that that injury, that hip injury. Uh, which he, where he needed really a long time to fully recover. I mean, it, it took him a couple of years. He, of course, he played, but that's like with, with football and with all, a lot of professional athletes that they so, uh, fight for injuries to some extent. But of course, he, I think he, at one point he couldn't take it anymore uh, because it was too too bad and uh, the pain was there for too long. Yeah, he underwent surgery basically the well, not the next day, but very quickly after the Champions League final. The, the, the night of the Champions League final. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in the center circle, once the final whistle was blown, the uh, yes. scapels came out. Um, Robin, Robin, you know, almost immediately pulled out the scapel. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm obviously glad. I, I think he, he said that he wants to end his career at Dortmund, but uh, you never know how this goes if he still feels an, ad, an itch later on, and uh, you know, Dortmund say. Um, 
can't uh, play you anymore. So maybe he he move on then to I don't know a Polish team or wherever. But um, be before we close the uh, Schalke segment, Matthias, um, I was uh, talking about this being the biggest game for Schalke this season and. Uh, If I was going to be right, and maybe I am, maybe I'm not, uh, but you can answer that. Is uh, Schalke's season now practically over for them? They uh, now have, I think, just won one game in the Rückrunde, which was the first one against Gladbach. And since then, it's been just uh, losses and draws. So an absolutely terrible run. And now I think they dropped down to eighth place. Um, I don't know if we can talk about them playing for the Europa League or whatnot, but uh, do you think that Dortmund sort of ended Schalke's season right there on last Saturday. Well, I mean, the the bottom teams are too bad for Schalke to drop down that far. Schalke is still good enough to not quite be that bad. Um, you know, the team's challenging for the Europa League. It's so inconsistent. I mean, we're playing against a Europa League contender this next match day in Wolfsburg. Um But there's, but you know, Schalke, I, I think they could maybe still get, you know, that sixth spot, but it's really just one spot available for Europe because the top five teams are all competing uh, with one another. Uh, and I do still have the stream of Leverkusen leapfrogging Leipzig and Leipzig being in the Europa League next season, if there even is a Europa League. Um, but Schalke... Now, they had a good start to the season. Uh, it was a completely different feeling of where Dortmund and Schalke were respectively when they met in the last of Yadavi. And it seems to completely have flipped in, the, in that both teams are now playing to the level that they actually are. <laughs> uh, meaning Schalke that are... That might actually be a bit too harsh on Schalke. I mean, they're so mm -hmm. pathetic. I, I think there's a bit more quality in that team than, than currently showing. But fair enough. Fair enough. No, I mean they've regressed to what they are. Okay. Uh, they they they're a mid mid table side. You know that s a great start to the season when everybody was saying, oh, even even Dortmund fans were like, oh, we wish we had David Wagner, not not uh, Lucien Favre, uh, and you know the slip isn't on David Wagner. I think the high that they had was maybe more on him, uh, but the the overall quality of the players is just not there. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm an American uh, soccer fan. I think Weston McKinney is trash, but that's just me. I think he's completely overrated. I don't think he's that good of a player, but it speaks to the quality of U.S. soccer and Schalke. Uh, and maybe I'm a little being a little bit too harsh on the guy, but I just don't think he's that good. Uh, he's a good trier, and you know if that's what Schalke is—a team of triers then you don't deserve to play in Europe because that doesn't help the Bundesliga or you. And they are, as we all know, in major financial problems. They are completely overspending wage-wise for players that don't justify the wage that they get. Um, and missing out, definitely missing out on the Champions League yet again, uh, will only send them further down that negative spiral and into mid-table mediocrity where I just think they're going to sit for a while as long as they have the incompetence at the top running that club. Now, not David Wagner, who I think is a very good coach, but I'm talking about, obviously, 
uh, Clemens Tönnies and the people right around him and, and even the people running uh, the sports side, uh, the football side of Schalke. It's just a train wreck. And if they don't change that, then honestly, in the next few years, uh, unless the Bundesliga regresses dramatically like the season they finished second, uh, Schalke are going to be thankful if they finish eighth because they are on a very slippery slope uh, where if you think that someone like Burgstaller is your answer for scoring goals, well, then you've got major, major, major problems. And which real player with real ambition is going to want to go to Schalke now? Honestly, nobody. Nobody whatsoever. So, especially when Dortmund, the significantly more shining light, is so close geographically, why go to Gelsenkirchen at all? For any reason, honestly, ever. <laughs> ever, yeah. ever. 100% correct. You know, the, the thing with Schalke is um, they're in such financial trouble and due to the uh, coronavirus and the uh, lack of revenue, I think they are going to be in even more trouble going forward. And if they don't watch out, you know, they could be the next... HSV or Werder Bremen of uh, once great uh, yet mismanaged clubs uh, that go down to the second division. I mean, I'm not saying Schalke are go definitely going to get relegated, but, uh, you know, it can happen. And if you look at, uh, uh, you know, one win in nine games run in this Rückrunde, you know, it doesn't really bode well for Schalke. So they really need to get things together. I'll, I mean, I'll be honest, Stefan, I'll go one step further. If they don't get it together... Take a look at Kaiserslautern. Just take a look at Kaiserslautern, and that's where you will be, Schalke, if you're not very careful. All right, so uh, enough about the losers. Uh, it's uh, time to move on to the next match day. And uh, I think overall, as a Dortmund fan, if if you are not completely turned off by the empty stadiums, uh, if you look at the table, that's a very juicy proposition because, A, you're four points behind Bayern Munich in the table and have everything to play for there. And if you look down, uh, you're also only four points off fifth place. So um, it's it's really crunchy up there. Uh, and Dortmund are right in the sweet spot right now in second place with uh, hopes and dreams still alive. And uh, obviously VfL Wolfsburg have been uh, very good for Dortmund recently. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the last nine games, Wolfsburg only has one draw and uh, eight losses. So Dortmund, no, Wolfsburg have lost their last four home games against Dortmund and uh, scoring differential is 11-2 there. Um, so I think overall Wolfsburg are in a better form right now and uh, sort of counter to what Schalke are doing. So it makes sense that they are now in sixth place and Schalke are down in eighth Wolfsburg uh, are on an unbeaten run of seven games, have four wins and three draws in that period. And uh, on the last game day, they beat FC Augsburg 2-1. So, Konstantin, you were talking about this game being more of a challenge than Schalke. And uh, just looking at what I just read of my screen here, uh, I think very much confirms that. So, uh, what kind of team are Wolfsburg and uh, how will they lose against Dortmund this time again? I mean, I don't know if it's if it's a bigger challenge uh, to Dortmund. I I don't know. It's just you know we we should um, wait for the outcome or the performance Dortmund have and just the outcome of this match uh, to really um, confirm the uh, level Dortmund is at right now. 
Well, or we could we just wait know. until Tuesday where they play Bayern Munich. So yeah, but 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 we we need some we need something before Tuesday, right? I mean, because Tuesday is the big game, and but we I, need something I, I think Wolfsburg are a good test. I think they're a more yes. capable team than Schalke. I hope so. Well, I mean, I, well, I don't hope so. No, I, no, you know, no, for no, quite frankly, no, no, they no. could be terrible. But, but, but no, but be, no, because before Tuesday, you needed you need a challenge. I mean, that's like, of course, you need one. It's, uh, I mean, what, what's what's your option? It's like, I don't know, going from from uh, journeyman to um, fighting Tyson Fury. Like, that's not what, how it works. Um, <laughs> so it, it it would be well, Dortmund can uh, choose be, how good Wolfsburg are on that given day. Well, it would help. It would be helpful if uh, I mean Wolfsburg sh at least show something and you know put up a, a fight against Dortmund. So Dortmund ha has to do something. Uh, has has to do more than against Schalke, where they could just cruise. Um, for uh, I don't know, fifty minutes or something. Um, I mean, it was ridiculous at some point because as, I mean it was still more or less a reveal derby, more or less. Um, <laughs> sort of, sort of, uh, kind of. Uh, without fans, so it was a, t a, f a fr friendly, uh, friendly match reveal derby or something like that. Um, you know, Wolfsburg, of course. I mean, I think Klasner, the head coach, is uh, one of the better coaches in the Bundesliga right now. Um, Wolfsburg also, um, I mean, compared to Schalke, for instance, better pressing, more intense pressing, uh, better central midfield. I think Schlager and Arnold, much more creativity there. So, you know, players who can also get out of situations where, they, where it appears that they are cornered. I mean, they are much more agile and technically... Uh, sound to really um, also if they are pressured they ch can find solutions just from you know technical and, and, and an ability standpoint um, so I think there could be a challenge uh, for Dortmund center midfield against them um, and also they have I mean they, they have I don't know about Vakers is, uh, and didn't play against Augsburg won't play I think uh, against Dortmund I'm not sure um, but uh, sometimes they played in a different system with him, you know, with him up front. They um, they, they played in different systems, and then they played against Augsburg, which was just your customary four-two-three-one. Um, but even then, I, I saw that Poikalo and Steffen, the two wingers, uh, they really have figured out how to get them uh, into situations where they are, or into one-on-one -on -one situations against the fullbacks. So um, will be interesting to see how they how they do it against Dortmund because Dortmund uh, plays with a back three. Uh, do they try to get Prekalo, for instance, in a one-on-one -on -one situation against Piszczek? Which would be interesting. I think a good test also for Piszczek. Um, or are they um, basically fanning out them um, and, and have Prekalo and Steffen much closer to, to the sidelines? I don't know. That's just a couple of uh, few questions I have uh, moving forward. Because when Wolfsburg played Augsburg just you know last weekend... Uh, Augsburg played basically the, the same system or the same formation at least. So, you know, uh, if if you got Wolfsburg in a four-two-three-one and Dortmund in, in the in the system with the back three, um, you got different shapes and so might uh, might have some some gaps. Which I think Wolfsburg has really find a way to uh, find these gaps in in uh, um, opposing or uh, opponents' formations. So I mean, also might be a challenge to Dortmund. Or Dortmund will score two goals um, in the first ten minutes and uh, whatever. Uh, we <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think there are a couple of, of, of things um, where where Wolfsburg can be a challenge. Uh, playing at home, 
I actually could see them trying to get a bit more ball possession than uh, they, meaning Wolfsburg, than other Dortmund opponents. Um, but I'm not sure, actually, because sometimes sometimes these matches still uh, evolve in a way where Dortmund then have 60% or so. So I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. But, but Wolfsburg is not um, a team that uh, shies away from, from uh, possession uh, immediately right from the kickoff. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Constantine, I actually like now with the rule change that you can make five substitutions. I kind of feel obliged to ask you uh, whether Wolfsburg ha has a has a good and competent bench. I mean, uh, they have the good old power forward, uh, you know, former Dortmund striker Daniel Ginczek, who I think scored the winner against Augsburg. Uh, but they also on, on the last match day they had uh, players like Felix Klaus, uh, Rousselion, uh, Robin Knoche. Uh, and and so on and so forth. Uh, so well, obviously also Tisserand. So obviously I don't know who exactly will play. But uh, if you look at their squad overall, do you think uh, that over 90 minutes they can face a tougher challenge than whatever Schalke was trying to do there? Um, I mean, the Klasner uh, didn't use all the five substitutions against Augsburg. Um, looking at who was left on the bench. Um, Tisserand and Knoche are two names, but they are two center backs, and and uh, were, they were going for 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 the win here um, against Augsburg. So why bring on Knoche or Tisserand? So in terms of like attacking power, he brought on also Rossignon, uh, who is on the bench. So there you can see that there is quality on the bench because I think uh, uh, people consider Rossignon as one as one of the best. Fullbacks um, in the Bundesliga not playing for Bayern, Dortmund, or Leipzig. Um, they, they brought on uh, Gitschek and Klaus, and as I said, about Vekors, um, I'm just trying to, to ch uh, check the ki uh, kicker report if he is uh, still injured, because I mean, that's also, of course, that will change the. Um, the they will change things a little bit uh, if, if he is fit and ready to go because then it might be case that Victor or Mem uh, Memedi one of, one of the two uh, gets benched and so they have another option um, for their attacking department um, to bring on in the second half or so. So I think the bench, not too deep but the, the, the couple of players they have on the bench um, are more or less on equal footing with the, with the starting 11 players. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. Um, Matthias, if we look at Dortmund's lineup, uh, Axel Witzel of the uh, people that are injured right now is probably the only one who will recover. Uh, Gio Reyna and Emre Can might be out for this game. Not 100% sure. The uh, press conference where Favre may or may not reveal anything is tomorrow uh, as we are recording this on Thursday. So um, as you know, from what we know now, Axel Witzel is back. Um, if so, who would he replace in, in midfield uh, if if he makes the team right away? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of match uh, Favre is anticipating against a more difficult to break down side. If that's the case, um, you know, if he's looking at it as well, you know, Wolfsburg, they're they're good defensively. It's we need a little bit more creative now in central midfield. Then, if Witzel slots back in, I expect Brandt to drop deeper, um, and then 
maybe Sancho start uh, right away, and, and that kind of alleviates that. If he believes he needs a little bit more muscle in midfield, then maybe you've got Witzel Delaney making a return <laughs> as a double pivot in that match. I, I I wouldn't be surprised, though, if it's the former option with Brandt and Witzel then in a double six, uh, double pivot, uh, better said, and then uh, you, you start uh, Sancho and Hazard behind uh, Holland. Yeah, I, I almost forgot that uh, Jane Sancho is also very likely to return. Uh, I mean, he, he made a cameo against Schalke, but that wasn't really of, of much note, to be honest. So, um, yeah, Constantine, quickly, how do you think uh, the dynamic of Dortmund will change with uh, the in introduction of uh, other players? Just, just correct one thing. I, I was uh, mistaken. Um, Valdekos wasn't injured against Augsburg. He was just suspended because of the fifth booking. Um, so he will be safe, or he's uh, expected to be back in the starting eleven of Wolfsburg. Because I thought I, he was injured, but he wasn't. And it's likely that he will play instead of Victor or Mamidi. Um, so we got that out of the way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, th I think I think Witzel, if he's ready, he will be in the starting eleven. Just. I think he's one of the few players uh, at Dortmund right now, just more or less guaranteed a, a spot in the starting eleven. Um, you see, he's at at least ninety-five percent or so. Um, and other than that, yes, I can see Sancho coming back to the um, to, to the starting eleven as well. Can also see Farfer sticking to the Hossa Brandt pairing, especially with Witzel back in center midfield. I could see actually Brandt and Hazard um, starting and then Sancho coming in as the power substitution in the second half. Um, which, I mean, I hope so, because, I mean, Farber is not not known for being the master of substitutions. Uh, but on the other hand, um, because of the... I mean, maybe he has changed his mind a little bit. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope at least. If, if in that... If I'm not entirely mistaken, uh, Mats Hummels right now is sitting on four yellow cards. So um, just one alert, as, as you mm. mentioned, the suspension that, uh, you know, he better watch out to, to not get that fifth yellow card and uh, miss the Bayern game. That yeah. would be very unfortunate. So, uh, But but with Saka do out? Uh, exactly. I mean, Balerdi, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, he, he will play... I guess will be interesting. No, he will definitely would, play. Yeah, I'm just I, I, just saying people should oh, like look uh, out for. Okay, I, I thought I thought I thought you were hinting at him being no. benched. So no, no. I, I, but it would be interesting. It would be a total Dortmund thing to get for for Mats Hummels to get his fifth booking and being sus uh, being suspended against Bayern. That would be totally uh, Dortmund playbook. Right. So and then and then Saga do injured and like yeah what's what's then to happen? Yeah, then you just have Akanji and Baleri, I guess. <laughs> oh great! Or, yeah, or, or we can already I mean, see Namdi Chutli. <laughs> Akanji and Baleri against Lewandowski. That will turn out beautifully. I'm I'm sure it will. Anyway, uh, let's not let's not uh, jinx anything here. I just wanted to yeah. uh, note that um, Matthias. Um, Anything else to say on that game, or shall we move on to predictions? I think we can move on to predictions. All right, then uh, what's your prediction? <laughs> um, I'm predicting a 2-1 victory for Dortmund, where everyone's patience is going to be put to the test. 
And you, Constantine, what are you predicting? Yeah, also with a close to one. I mean, with, without Vekor's back, I think he will, he will score an ugly goal. Yeah. As per usual. I, I think I think Dortmund will uh, win this, like, I don't know, 2-1 or so. All right, I, I guess after the predictions, there's uh, one thing left to announce. And uh, as promised, my wife picked the winner of our Mark Royce t-shirt giveaway. Hello, Christina. Hello. I, I hope there's not too much of a reverb because uh, we are almost in the same room right now. Um, so please, without any further ado, announce who won and will receive the uh, Mark Royce t-shirt. The winner is Deutsche Stash <laughs> or Han Forte. And he's hoping to uh, give the shirt to his lady or his dog, Barco Royce. Yeah, that is uh, very good. So congrats <laughs> uh, to, I think, St. Louis, right? They they are from the St. Louis Borussen. Yep, correct. Same so we're, we're, we're saving on that, uh, on, on that uh, shipping fee, aren't we? <laughs> I, I love how the choice is. I'm either giving it to my girlfriend or my dog. Yeah, yeah I was, I was thinking, what, what, what's, that was written in the letter or something. Like, oh. Okay. Yeah, he's worried it won't fit his lady, but it's pretty big. That's I also, that, that, like, he is that just, doesn't make it any better. Oh, Jesus. He has, to, he has to sleep on the couch for the next two months. Corona or not, it doesn't matter. Well, the good news you is... You will be out on the streets. <laughs> there, there, there is a good chance this this t-shirt will already arrive with uh, dog hairs included. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> oh, great, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I can't help it. Uh, uh, Sammy uh, has a lot of hair that he uh, very uh, greatly uh, distributes in our apartment. So uh, there it is. Anyway, I, I guess uh, now it's also the perfect time to do the outro. So, uh, Constantine, you may go first and tell our uh, listeners how to get in touch with you. Yes, uh, check me out on Twitter as, as per usual, uh, cc underscore eckner. Uh, there you can find my work for the English folks. I, I will cover um, the Bundesliga craziness for uh, BBC and ESPN the next couple of weeks. And also for the German folks, I will have a couple of pieces up about uh, lower league football in Germany. Uh, what's going on there? Because, uh, of course, uh, also kind of craziness. Uh, not a lot of football, but a lot of politics. Very well. Matthias, how to get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and send, send I know I'm going to get so many hate comments about my comment about Weston McKinney. So uh, you can direct that oh, on oh, Twitter at Matthias. Half our listeners. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Sorry, I, I, I talked bye over bye. you. At Matthias Zuk is his Twitter handle. Christina? <laughs> my Twitter handle is at Wonderlust with two R's. <laughs> very well and you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter and if you want to get in touch with all of us do that via Facebook or Twitter at yellowwallpod you can uh, find our podcast on iTunes Stitcher SoundCloud Spotify Google Amazon etc etc or use your favorite podcatcher and the RSS feed is also linked on our website which is theyellowwall.net and if you want to become a sponsor again do that via patreon.com slash the yellow wall and obviously please make sure to read our written content uh, i just recently translated for example the uh, 
Emre Can interview in the Sportbild, which was uh, very interesting to read. So uh, please check that out. And uh, of course, as always, thank you for listening and stay safe until next time, which is very soon because the Bayern game is on Tuesday. And maybe we will already be out with the podcast on Sunday. So uh, keep your iTunes, podcatchers, whatever updated. Until next time, goodbye.